It's time for Ruining Seinfeld, the only show that asks, what's the deal with that? Get ready to pour over the excruciating minutia of every single daily event of four morons sitting around an apartment whining about their dates. Here are your hosts, John and Adam. Hey there, and welcome to Ruining Seinfeld. I'm John. And I'm Adam. Today we'll be discussing the third episode from season two, The Busboy. It aired June 26, 1991, and it was written by Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David. It was directed by Tom Sharonis. The number one song on the Billboard chart was Rush Rush by Paula Abdul. Now, I know we've talked about music. I don't know this one either. Is is this the one with the cat? No, no, that's opposite the tract. Okay. How, how many is... how many Paula Abdul videos did she have a cat in? Just one? Your guess is as good as mine, but I'm pretty sure that's the one that had the cat in. I don't remember his name, but it's got to be like Rap, Rap J Cat or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but the number one movie in theaters was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, starring Kevin Costner, Morgan Freeman, and Seinfeld's own Michael McShane. Oh, yeah, he was Friar Tuck in that. That's right, yeah. Of course, Michael's better known to Seinfeld fans as FDR, Franklin Delano Romanowski. Evil Eye. The, the hot dog vendor who wishes Kramer to drop dead. <laughs> Very cool. I remember seeing Prince of Thieves in the theater. I remember really liking it. I don't know the last time I've seen it, but I remember it being a good movie. Yeah, I I don't really remember watching the whole thing, but I definitely remember it being pretty good for what it was. It had Alan Rickman as the Sheriff of Nottingham, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was the main enemy in the movie. Yeah. And I just watched Die Hard for like the 90th time the other day, and Alan Rickman's so good. And that's his first movie, Die Hard. That's, really? That was his first movie? That's his first movie. Imagine that. He's pretty solid for his first movie in that. Well, I know he did some acting before that, obviously, but I mean, like, that was his first major motion picture. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. Rest in peace, Alan Rickman. Definitely, definitely awesome. Adam, I thought I'd bring up that this episode is a perfect example of why we're covering this in production order and not air date order. Because if we went in air date order, this would be the 12th episode of this season, meaning that things would happen later that would make no sense. For example, George wouldn't be a real estate agent anymore because he lost his job at Rick Bar Properties prior to this. That's right. Yeah, because this, in air date order, this is the season finale, essentially, right? Yeah, the 12th episode, yeah. Yeah. And I think the 12th episode is the baby shower, if I'm not mistaken, on Netflix order. I, I, I don't even know anymore. It's hard to keep track. <laughs> yeah. Well, Adam, you ready to take this boiler out for a shakedown? Giddy up, buddy. Scene one is stand-up. I'm not a foodie. I don't... Oh, this is too rare. Oh, it's too salty. Just eat it and shut up. I'll eat anywhere, whatever they're having. I have eaten rolls off of room service trays in hotel hallways. I have. That's not a joke. This is my life. 
left it. What is it? Why would somebody poison a roll and leave it in the hallway to some comic coming down at two o'clock in the morning? Why would they do that? Sometimes you go to a nice restaurant to put the check in a little book. What is this, the story of the bill? Once upon a time, there were some very hungry people. What, what is this? Little gold tassel hanging down. Am I graduating from the restaurant? What is this about? First of all, is he in that houndstooth coat again? It's very flattering. I, I like it. Yeah, at first, it, it, I didn't really like it, like in the scene with Marlene that we really notice it in, like it was just bulging out at the shoulders. But now, you know, I, I'm growing accustomed to it at this point. As we keep documenting all these different sport coats, this is definitely one of his better ones. It doesn't punch me in the face when I see it. Yeah, it doesn't look like that oven mitt. Exactly. And I'm not talking um, about armadillo oven mitt. <laughs> <laughs> But he starts the stand up saying he's not a foodie. And, you know, the only thing jarring about this is I didn't know that was even like a common term back in 1991. I thought foodie basically started with like the Instagram era, the the top chefs, the iron chefs of the world, everybody getting like really into the nitty gritty of food. Yeah, you know, I I think it's people like like I'll have a aromatic oxygen bath in my pea brine something like that you know like <laughs> yeah not somebody who just enjoys food but yeah i don't care it, if it's salty no that's not a foodie <laughs> yeah exactly that's a person that wants to eat food <laughs> or as jerry is talking about in the in the stand-up actually eating food off of other people's plates that were left in the hallway of the hotels from room service <laughs> yeah Look, man, if I'm putting something in the hallway, I've already tasted it. So you're getting my germs, buddy. Yeah, I'm I'm steering clear of that. Not once have I walked the hallways of a hotel and thought, hmm, yeah, I think I'll try that. Ah, some buffalo wings. Somebody must have just not have wanted these things. Sure, there's still some meat on that bone. <laughs> oh, man, I do like the, the, the joke about the story of the bill. And the bill graduating from the restaurant. What is the deal with that little tassel? Yeah. I, I, why does the bill have to look so fancy and formal? I think it's so So you you have to open it. Therefore, you can't like run away or right? <laughs> really fast, I think. I think this dovetails perfectly with his other stand up. I think we talked about this in the stock tip about how before the meal, you you order everything because you're hungry. And then afterwards, you know, you got the the cigarette and the mashed potatoes and you're like, how could this be? I feel like that is the story of the bill. Like you're you're hit with the shock of what you just consumed. It's the same exact thing. All right. Well, the first scene finds us in what can only be described as. Possibly a new swanky restaurant or a popular restaurant called Isabella's. You want some of mine? Take some of mine. Why do I get pesto? Why do I think I'll like it? I keep trying to like it. It's like I have to like it. Who said you have to like it? Everybody likes pesto. You walk into a restaurant, that's all you hear. Pesto, pesto, pesto. I don't like pesto. Where was pesto 10 years ago? Look at that guy. <laughs> I bet she's getting hair transplants. Anytime you see a guy that age wearing a baseball cap, 10 to 1, plugs. Um, the thing 
thing about that painting is with the colors and, um... Oh, yeah, plug Ola. <laughs> oh, one more thing about the car. Let it warm up for a minute. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough minute. It's like waiting in the shower for the conditioner to work. <laughs> I don't understand why I couldn't take a cab. Oh. Elaine is having a, uh, house guest. She's picking him up at the airport tonight. A guy? Yes, a guy. He's from, uh, Yakima, right? <laughs> Seattle. Everybody's moving to Seattle. It's the pesto of cities, so? Oh, well, you tell. Well, from what I can piece together, our friend here met a gentleman. Ed. Who uh, was in town on a business venture, and, uh... We, uh... Shared an interpersonal experience. <laughs> so they went out a few times. But apparently when the fellow returned home, he discovered that the Venice tattoo does not wash off so easily. On some people. <laughs> so he's coming in to stay with her for a week. It was just going to be a weekend, but then somehow it became a week. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, wait a second. All right, okay. Great. All right, all right. Okay. What happened? Oh, the, uh, the busboy left the menu a little close to the candle. I'm sorry for the disturbance. Mm, I'm never eating here again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, nice going. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that ought to get us a free dessert. Yeah. I think the busboy's in trouble. Did I get him in trouble because of what I said? I just told him what happened. He didn't do it on purpose. He pointed at me. Why did they point at me? I said I would never eat here again, but I, 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 he had to know I was kidding. I didn't say anything. <gasps> I can't believe it. He's going. He's fired. Oh, I said it in a kidding way. I, I didn't know he could fired. He'll probably kill his family over this. What if he's waiting for me outside? He pointed at me. Did you see him point? A lot of ex-cons become busboys. <laughs> they seem to gravitate towards him. Was it my fault? Was it my fault? Yeah, that was too trendy for Jerry to take Elaine to in the what episode was that? The the visa? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, George is wearing the type of shirt that you casually dress up in in the 90s. Like too many kids in my high school wore this shirt. Not my kind of guys. Yeah, so (laughs) the only thing I, I came up with was. For all of our listeners out there who watch, I think you should leave. George is wearing a Dan Flashes shirt. Now, John, I know you haven't got on board with the the Netflix show, but basically it's a, a sketch where a guy keeps buying these crazy, ridiculously patterned shirts that are priced based on how complicated the pattern is. <laughs> it sounds like my kind of show. I'm a big Mr. Show fan, and it sounds about right up that alley. Yeah, it's it's really good. Nice. Well, I, I'm taking another look at Elaine's food here, and it looks really dry and unpalatable. Like there's no sauce on those noodles. What's up with that? Yeah, I I first thought it was like maybe she's eating like an Alfredo or something, but yeah, there's just there's nothing on that pasta. And I I, I hate it when people are like fake eating in shows and they're just like twirling their food around, but they're actually eat on Seinfeld because you know they would bring in food and say, hey, order whatever you want, and we'll make it for you. And, they actually had good food. So I'm wondering, this must be before that. <laughs> yeah, possibly. I mean, but you're right. Like most shows, 
you just hear like a bunch of clanking people just cutting the same food over and over. And, you know, what the wine doesn't look like the right color. It almost looks like apple juice. Yeah, they. I don't know what, why they couldn't figure that out. <laughs> how about the how about the inside of this place, too? Oh, it's very like. I don't even know the word for it. I'm I'm making up words on this podcast constantly. My wife keeps telling me those aren't words. And I'm like, what, what's the difference? They're all in the air. Yeah. Is this like old people art deco? That's what I was going to say. It's like deco ish. But like I, I grew up down in South Florida and this was like every restaurant you walk into, like every like mom and pop restaurant looked exactly like this. It didn't matter what kind of food they served. It could be breakfast food. It could be lunch food. It could be dinner food. It always looked like this. Yeah, it's it's very off-putting because you have the kind of like pale pink tablecloths, but you also have the pale pink napkins inside the bread baskets. You have these like enamel-covered chairs. You have like the, what do they call that? The, the backsplash, if you will, of the whole yeah. restaurant is almost like those ceiling tiles that have like a, like an enamel or tin. Yeah, this place is definitely gross looking on the inside. I couldn't eat there. I I feel weird buying any food there. Yeah, it doesn't give me like Italian food vibes for New Def- York City. Definitely not when we meet the maitre d' later on. It definitely doesn't seem like he'd be working there. No, he's the only thing in that place that gives off Italian vibes. Well, that and George saying, where was pesto 10 years ago? Flash forward, you got Jerry talking about to his mom about the sun-dried tomatoes being in the same boat. Like, where were sun-dried tomatoes 10 years ago? Yeah, this is a Larry David thing. You know that. Jerry points out to the guy who could be getting hair transplants. Yeah, and, you know, let's let's zoom over to that guy. He's got a, a really weird pattern sweater, from what I can tell, and it's like a collared shirt underneath. But yeah, he's wearing this out of place ball cap. And Jerry's point is you don't see guys that age. He really emphasizes that age wearing ball caps. And and I got to think, all right, so we're, we're 1991. He's probably right. It's not like today where anybody of any age wears a ball cap in, in any instance, right? I, I wear a hat a ton. I always wear it. But even I don't wear a hat inside like a nice restaurant. Well, no, if I'm going to go out to eat or something like that, of course, I'm going to comb my hair and try to look presentable somehow. I, I couldn't imagine that's considered a fancy restaurant, you know, and I couldn't imagine being in there with that hat on. But hey, he says that old. What that guy doesn't look that old. I I take I take umbrage to that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, know? he's got to be like in his late 30s, early 40s, maybe late 40s if we're stretching. And what was Jerry when the show started? He was like 38, wasn't he? He was getting there. Yeah, around that same age. Yeah. What's he talking about? I'm getting plugs. Yeah. My barber says, I got a beautiful head of hair, huh? <laughs> yeah, and I just love that Elaine says, plugola. Like, that. <laughs> that's a great expression from back then. Just putting an OLA on anything. And George here, he's just twirling spaghetti right off Elaine's plate. Why wouldn't you just put that on his plate and, like, so he could have his own little plate of spaghetti instead of because George is an animal. We are we see him multiple times throughout the series and his the way he eats pasta. It's disgusting. Yeah, just just the other day, we got a lot of good comments on a 
comment that I posted on one of your posts saying all the different things that George has been known for. I started it off with ketchup on French fries and people took it and they just went with it. So we're going to compile all those and put them in a mini episode probably coming up soon. Yeah, that'll be a good topic to really dig into. A lot of fun. A lot of fun because <laughs> there's so many things, so many wormholes and we got to open as many as we can. Absolutely. Jerry mentions Elaine's man friend coming in from Yakima. Seattle. That's the pesto of cities. <laughs> everybody's everybody's from Seattle, apparently. <laughs> he says that the fellow realized the Bennis tattoo does not wash off so quickly. To which Elaine says on some people making George go. Ooh. Yeah, I always like. Now that we're like really documenting this, Elaine has a couple quick digs at Jerry from their relationship. This is a good one. I, I love it when they like pick at each other. It doesn't matter how far into it, because like later on, she, he'll be like, I think I have a little bit of experience with that. And she's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Something yeah, like exactly. She's always just the low key. Just snap him back into reality. Well, George looks to his left really quick and realizes the menu is on fire. He gets up, stamps it out, and the manager comes over. And he's like, hey, what happened here? Huh? <laughs> like, what's up with that guy? He's like plucked out of a mob movie. Yeah, this guy's definitely a connected guy. George explains, and the manager says, I'm very sorry for the disturbance. And Elaine says, I'm never eating here again. And the manager walks over and calls Antonio out. Antonio seems genuinely concerned. He puts his hand up to his mouth saying, oh, really? I caused the fire? You'd think an apology would be enough, but, you know. No, and this, obviously this is right into the, the characters' personalities and what we're supposed to experience, but I just kept getting so frustrated that not a single one of them spoke up to this manager saying, hey, it was a mistake. It wasn't his fault. The menu just kind of flapped over a little bit over the flame. Elaine could have said, oh, I was just kidding. Like, yeah, just being folksy. 100%. And the guy is, meanwhile, he's berating him in front of this other customer. The guy's just sitting there eating in the restaurant all by himself like a loser. <laughs> just watching this poor busboy get dressed down in front of everybody. Like right in front of him, too, like waist level. Yeah. It'd be pretty awkward for that dude just sitting there trying to enjoy your dinner. The manager's like firing a guy right in front of you. Right. Son of a bang. <laughs> I don't know. If you look at it closely, to me, it looks like Antonio quit in defiance. Either that or he's like, I don't need this. He threw his apron down. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's and, tired of this guy. Yeah. And it didn't look like he really harbored any ill will towards the group either. It just they pointed at him, but it wasn't maliciously. He was like, oh, them? Oh. It wasn't anything serious that I could tell. Yeah, and I don't even know why the manager points to them anyway. Like, why are... Just... Yeah, say, hey, that guy put out the fire. It's your fault. Like, that yeah. kind of thing, I think. You know, it's like, yeah. he said that you put the thing too close to the candle. <laughs> like, anything. Like, when you go to someone at work and you're like, look, I didn't want to bring this up to the manager, but so-and-so really smells bad. And then you're <laughs> like, oh... Jim, Jim came up to me the other day and told me yeah. that you really smell bad. Like, you're not, no, that's not yeah, how you please. handle that situation. Yeah, don't do that, managers. <laughs> yeah. So George seems all nervous, almost like he's hyperventilating. <laughs> What's going to happen? Is he going to wait for me outside? Is he more worried about that or that the guy got fired? I, I think it's a little bit of both. I, we know George is spineless, but 
also, he does seem to have a conscience in these earlier episodes. Yeah, and even in some later ones, he feels compassion in certain instances. He says that he can sense the slightest human suffering, you know? And then you have the security guard who he thinks should be sitting down. And you got Beth and David's relationship. And those are just, you know, a couple. It's a real sliding scale with Costanza. Yeah, it's like you never know. It's like he he had a lot of trauma in his life. If he had a mantle, everything would have been different. <laughs> yeah, but we might draw some parallels, see if if things benefit him, it doesn't bother him so much. But if if things are bothering other people, I don't know. We'll We'll have to dig into what makes him tick. That's going to be a slippery slope. And Elaine, she's like, was it my was it my fault? And other than that, it doesn't sound like she feels very guilty at all about the whole situation. No, like I said, she should have jumped up and said, no, it was fine. She could have smoothed this whole situation over. Jerry keeps driving home the fact that busboys are ex-cons and he'll probably kill his family over this. Yeah, I mean, God, Jerry, talking about the busboy getting fired, now he's killing his family. Like, that's some bad juju he just put on everybody. That and what is that's a good comparison with the whole adoption leading to serial killers. Yeah, like Joel Rifkin. Yeah. It's like, what is that supposed to mean? People. I, I love these little dark moments that just make our jaw drop when Jerry just says these little things. <laughs> There's a couple of dark moments from Elaine later on in this episode, too. Yeah, you're right. So as far as Antonio goes, let's examine this a little more closely. And if you watch right around the three-minute mark, you can see Antonio on George's right side placing the menu there. But then George turns his head to the left and sees it on fire almost instantaneously. That menu caught fire pretty quickly. Also, Antonio has vanished into thin air. He is gone. There's absolutely no way he could have exited the room that fast. Yeah, and if you look closer, it's you can tell he's really struggling trying to get that paper just right so that it catches fire in the in the right manner. So I'm pretty sure they had to finagle a couple of things just to pull it off. And they had Pete Papa Nicholas come in there and put his old man hands in the shot. <laughs> yeah. Crack an egg. <laughs> well, scene three, we're in Jerry's apartment. Look, I feel bad for him too, but he'll get another job. I mean, let's face it, it's not a profession where you embellish your resume and undergo a series of grueling interviews. Like you really know busboys. Oh, like you do. Hey, at least I was a camp waiter. Camp? It was a fat camp. Those kids depended on me. Lane? Yeah. Busboys are always changing jobs. That's the business. I know, I work with these guys. I talk with them in the kitchens at the comedy clubs. Well, then why don't you try to get him another job? I'd love to, but I don't know anything about him. He could be one of those people that walks around the street pricking people with pins. I don't know if you people are aware of this, but I am one clever chickadee. Wait, did you get the busboy's number? His phone's been disconnected, but I was able to obtain an address. 1324 Amsterdam Avenue, apartment 4D. Now I did my job. May I have the car keys, please? How did you get all this? Does the word charm mean anything to you? No. <laughs> so now you're going to his apartment? I really think this is nuts. I'd like to apologize. I want to tell him. I, I, I didn't mean to get him in trouble. So you're going now? Yeah. I want to see if there's anything I can do. 
Maybe get him another job. Maybe I'll hear of something. Maybe the fat cat. <laughs> You're not going? I would, but I have to pick up Ed at the airport. I just don't think you should go alone. Can't you wait till after my set? Oh, it'll take too long. Hey. hey. Take the K-Man. Little support. I don't, uh... Well, well, take me where? Where? <laughs> I've got an inventory update for everybody. All right, let's do it. There's a knife block and a can opener. There's no pot holder on the fridge. You have some Bonami cleaning product on the sink. A few random magnets on the refrigerator as well as a paper, but I couldn't figure out what was on the paper. There's a big glass bowl that should have fruit in it on the counter. I guess Jerry's not going to Joe's yet. Not yet. He's not converted. And if you look at this table and chair set, where did that even come from and where did it go? Very 90s. Yeah, it's, it's, it almost has like a plastic feel, like it's shiny. It's one solid piece. It looks like it you should know, be built for outdoor use. Yeah, it's almost looks like it's lucite or something. I could be wrong on the term, right. but... Definitely something that old ladies tap their fingernails on. Yeah, absolutely. They're playing Mahjong on it on the Lanai in Florida. <laughs> well, the scene opens with Jerry saying, it's not a profession where you endure a series of grueling interviews. I remember applying for busboy jobs. I had more than one interview on multiple occasions. Yeah, I don't like how Jerry's being flip about this. Like, just because he's a busboy and maybe busboy jobs are plentiful in New York. I'm sure they are. But you know what a pain in the ass it is to keep applying and interviewing and filling out all that paperwork for new jobs? I hate filling out W-2s. It's like been 15 years or so since I've had to, but still, oh man, what a pain. Yeah, and especially, you know, back in this age, it's all handwritten forms that you have to fill out. It's nothing online like it is today. Kids are spoiled today. <laughs> George says, like, you really know bus boys. Oh, and you do? Yeah, that, that's they go down to like a childish level, almost playground style back and forth. And I think this is the first instance. I know they do it a few times. And <laughs> Hey, but but George mentions that, yeah, he does know because he was a, a waiter at a fat camp. This kid's dependent on me. Could you imagine George is getting swarmed by big kids needing their food? <laughs> they need everything. He needs milk. He needs hot dogs. He needs sloppy Joe. We hear about some more unseen characters. The kids at the fat camp. The busboys at the comedy club. Speaking of sloppy Joes and stuff, George is making a sandwich on rye bread. And he has a half gallon of milk just sitting there on the counter. Now, is George going to put ketchup on a rye bread sandwich? And I think it's turkey. Does ketchup go with rye bread and turkey? Absolutely not. And I, <laughs> can I just make an aside that... <laughs> Up until this point, these sandwiches are very lackluster in these early episodes. Half the time, I think they're just two slices of bread. And now, like you just pointed out, we find ourselves with a turkey and ketchup sandwich on rye. <laughs> so much for getting anything they want to eat. Yeah, exactly. And let's maybe, just let this tepid milk sit out. Maybe that's what he wanted. I don't know. Is it just me or is it odd that every single light in this place is on? It's always on. Yeah. Obviously, even, it's for filming reasons. Yeah, even the bathroom light is on. <laughs> like, 
I picture this apartment like the radiator, like it's either all on or all off. Yeah, you think the super would be concerned about waste of electricity or heat or something. Yeah, now we're really getting into it. <laughs> hey, I'm of the super. I don't care. <laughs> I can't believe how much electricity they wasted on that show. <laughs> Elaine walks in with the busboy's information. 1324 Amsterdam Avenue, apartment 4D. She's a clever little chickadee. I, should, I did my job. It doesn't seem like she actually cares about Antonio, just clearing her conscience. Elaine was a lot more caring in the early episodes, but I don't think so after seeing this. Yeah, and you think she got it from the manager or maybe a hostess afterwards? She is quite charming. She did get Russell Dalrymple to kill himself. I mean... Ugh. Yeah, that, that Venice tattoo that you talked about earlier. He got a tramp stamp. <laughs> well... I pulled up a Google image of what 1324 Amsterdam Avenue looks like, and it looks like a 20-story apartment building. It doesn't look like the outside encompassing shot that we'll see on the next scene. But yeah, I just I wonder I'd if throw it, that out there. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if it was vastly different in 1991. Like, I don't even know what part of the city this is or if it's a good part of town or a bad part of town. But, yeah, I, I have no idea how New York works. George gets the busboy's information and starts getting ready to leave. And then he gets he just leaves everything on the counter for Jerry to put away. The milk, the bread, the meat, the ketchup, all of it. Just leaves it out. Yeah, they always tend to do that when they're making food. Like, you being a germaphobe and me being like, just won't eat anything that's left out of the fridge for 10 minutes. You know? Yeah, I think that goes hand in hand with the germaphobe thing. I'm real big on food safety. Oh, yeah, same thing. <laughs> For real. I'm not leaving anything out on the counter. Milk on the counter for like longer than a minute. No, thanks. No, put it nope. right back in the fridge. Absolutely. Well, of all the things they make fun of George for, no one ever says anything about this hat. A little beanie hat with a pom-pom on top and some 8-bit snowflakes going around it. He's a grown man. Yeah, it doesn't even go over his ears. Like he looks like some sort of like character of a kid's movie or something. Like a Cartman or something like that. Yeah, he does. He's a South Park character. <laughs> hey, he puts a scarf and a jacket on. He doesn't close up the jacket. I think if you're if it's cold enough to wear a jacket, a hat, and a scarf, you should definitely be closing your jacket. He also puts his gloves on. <laughs> Jerry says, wait till after my set. I'll go with you. Yeah, like that's a big help. Yeah, and Jerry, Jerry runs away from the, the street toughs. Yeah, no, nobody's taking Jerry seriously. It's not like he actually took some jujitsu classes. Hey, cowboy, where's your horse? <laughs> <laughs> Kramer walks in and Jerry says, take the K-Man. And I think that's the first instance of a nickname for Kramer. Yeah, and, and Kramer's like just like an excited dog. He doesn't care where they're going. He just wants to go. And we see George not really caring for Kramer still at this point. He's like, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that same awkward tension from the pilot episode, right? When he's talking about, you know, you, you do any of that commercial real estate. And George I, is like, just so I, befuddled. I'm aware of you. <laughs> we see that Jerry's apartment is still 3A. Oh, good call. Kramer has a pretty cool shirt on in this scene. But I'm colorblind, so I'll let you describe it if you could see it. This is like a 
like a mustard front and it's almost like an olive drab colors around the edges or maybe even a brown it's a cool shirt though like i don't think i could pull it off but it's definitely cool agreed yeah so many cool cool shirts on this show i know eventually they started making them because they couldn't find the vintage ones anymore because people were buying them up yeah that it definitely went through a, a phase like in those mid 90s where you could find those type of shirts all over the place it was pretty sweet all right, so the next scene, we find ourselves outside of Antonio's apartment. Look, I, I really appreciate your coming, but um, if you wouldn't mind, try not to say too much. <laughs> what am I going to say? I don't know. Well, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> Certainly not. And we're cool. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're cool. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry to bother you. I, I was in the restaurant earlier and I uh, was wondering if I could talk to you for a few minutes about what happened. interrupting anything it's just that um I, I think i may have without realizing it um <laughs> been responsible for getting you fired <laughs> and 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 i i just i wanted you to know that i i did not intend for that to happen he's a hell of a guy <laughs> this is um a guy i know Spaniel. oh my god Como se dice waterbed? Anyway, I, 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 I just wanted to let you know that uh, I'm really sorry that happened, and uh, if I can help out in any way, I'll, I'll certainly be glad to do that. <laughs> well, I guess that's about it. <laughs> you got anything to drink? Agua. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, we really should be going. Let me get a glass of water. Hurry up. Pichita. Pichita. Mm. Hey, si this cat's gone. La puerta. Está abierta. La puerta está abierta. Who left the door open? Who left the door open? Help me 
before we get into the actual apartment scene, you can see the establishing shot is in a, is a restaurant on the ground floor called the El Rey. And I do believe that's the same building that Tor Ekman's in. The set design of this really went to task of making this place look as dingy and old and run down as possible. You're right, though. The inside of this apartment building is just dilapidated beyond repair. It looks like, a, like I've never really been in a slum lord building, but this looks like the epitome of what that would be. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's cracked paint and the wood is splitting all over the place. They really went to town on it. You know, as they stand there, you can look in the background, you see a bike and a fire hose on the wall. This place could go up any minute. It's just a tinderbox. I guess those are just commonplace in buildings in New York City. Yeah, I wonder if there's a fire hose on every floor. That's got to be scary, man. <laughs> just knowing that. Yeah, here, here, just in case. I would be more worried that, like, just any random kid or drunk could just turn on the fire hose at any time. We get a look at Kramer's outfit, and he's wearing a Harley Davidson shirt. And he's wearing the executive. All right, so let's let's do one at a time here. Kramer and Harley Davidson really don't go hand in hand, in my opinion. Remember when he's on the motorcycle when he's in California? He looks terrified. He's holding on to that biker for dear life. And I love that you pointed out that Kramer's wearing the executive. No belt loops. Where did he get this thing? I don't know. Could he already be shopping at Rudy's? I don't know. Maybe. No, Morty mentions it in the previous episode, though, for the first time. So he did when he was working for Harry Fleming. <laughs> <laughs> well, as they walk up to the door, it looks like Kramer's about to ring the doorbell. But there's no doorbell on that door. No chance. And then George just does like a tiny little tap. It's almost like a tap that you hope they don't hear. <laughs> exactly. Kramer's like, bam, 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 bam. Did you happen to do a inventory of Antonio's apartment? Well, you know that I did. <laughs> he has one of those signs that says, we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. Similar to the one that's hanging up in the Soup Nazis restaurant later on. I wonder if they have those like signs. They got to just keep them right in some sort of inventory that they can use later if they need to. Yeah, like an accordion style folder. Just, like, yeah, like a Penske file. Yeah, exactly. He's got some random pictures hanging up on his wall, as well as a Mets poster. And it looks like a poster advertising a boxing match. On closer inspection, I typed in the, the matches at the boxing match, because of course I did. And it turns out that it's a wrestling event. I don't know if the boxing thing was just made for this episode, but there's a vintage wrestling event poster on eBay. It's like 56 bucks. Now, that would be a deep pull if you're a Seinfeld fan. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet to have. Yeah, I'm the kind of person that would like, like... I like the deep cuts. Like people were like, what is this? What is this? Well, it's actually from the season two, episode three of Seinfeld. Oh God. <laughs> hey, you're not going to get any arguments from me about deep cuts. I love them. Maybe we ought to just call you D-Bone. <laughs> but there is no D-Bone. Is it D-Spot? <laughs> That's a myth. D-Bone, the ladies are going to love you. <laughs> Well, Antonio's furniture looks like it was taken from the street. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it looks like the the Got No Green Lantern is going to break it up for firewood later. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And why do they have to make him so wretchedly poor? I mean, I know they're driving the point home that he needs a job, but seriously. You know, I can't believe you just used the word wretchedly poor. (laughs) You know the other time that that's used in the series, don't you? Yeah, it's it's the got no green lantern. When, when Jerry asks Elaine, is he wretchedly poor? Is he wearing one of those the barrels, barrels with the straps? <laughs> Talk about a deep cut. That's like on all old cartoons that we used to watch. Like a poor person always had a barrel with suspender straps. Those barrels are expensive. <laughs> yeah, they can't be cheap. And now, and now every like mini distiller is snatching up all those barrels for their single batch whiskeys. It's like I better go see the Cooper. I need some new I need some new underwear. <laughs> the the chairs are vinyl with a leaf design on them. I thought they were kind of cool looking. They're like those old 80s 90s, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I actually like the chairs a lot. I was like, those are pretty cool. Those are pretty tight. I hope that when he does get something bigger, something nicer, he can bring those with yeah, did you see the other furniture, though? There's, like, as soon as they walk in to to our right, their left, there's a, a tiny little upholstered chair. It doesn't even look like anyone could fit in it. And then the TV is one of those old, like, set-top boxes that has a reinforced handle on top of the TV, like, made for traveling. Sometimes you just got to get up and go, you know? <laughs> yeah. An apartment could come down at any minute. <laughs> Got to save the TV. Yeah, back to our our fire. <laughs> if it goes up, you're you're grabbing what you can and getting out of there. The only other thing I noticed was that there's a framed picture of four baseball players on the wall. Maybe there are baseball cards. Maybe those are just prized baseball cards or something like that. Yeah, possibly. And it it goes along with, I don't know, all those. It looks like some old trophies on a bookshelf. In oh the yeah, bag. that's right. Yeah, see them back there. So I think that's it for inventory. But George and Kramer walk in the apartment. Antonio walks right up behind George, puffing his chest out, sizing him up. George is explaining to Antonio the whole situation about the restaurant. And Michael is trying not to laugh. Somehow he plays it off, and it's just one of those rare times it's caught on film. But he's known for holding it together and getting pissed off when people can't. Yeah, this is great because George is really, like, you can sense the Woody Allen aspect of the character. And and Kramer's just holding on for dear life and then just give him a good slap. He's a hell of a guy. <laughs> George is like, this is a guy I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kramer's holding up George in, in reverence. And George is just like, yeah, th- this guy's just with me. Kramer asks Antonio, Habla Espanol? <laughs> Como se dice waterbed? <laughs> You know how many times I've used that? Another one of those blank stares, I bet. (laughs) Anytime there's any kind of Spanish around, and I know there's a Seinfeld fan, I'll go, hey, como se dice waterbed? (laughs) Well, Kramer obviously knows the Spanish word for water. I guess he just needed to know how to say bed, because he also knows how to say, how do you say? Yeah, exactly. Hey, speaking of Kramer, is this the first time we see him out of the apartment? I think you are correct. It just hit me, but I was like, wait a minute. This might be the first time that we've seen him actually venture outside. The only other time is when he's in the hallway. Yeah. 
Well, George apologizes and said he can help out in any way. He'll be certainly glad to do that. But at this point, he doesn't give him any contact information or any way to get a hold of him. And then he says, well, I guess that's about it. And then go to walk out the door. Well, Kramer being Kramer asked for a glass of water in an already tense situation. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Somehow a guy doesn't know how to say water bread, but seems to know how to decipher that Antonio's cat is missing. His cat's Anto- missing. Yeah, Antonio's crawling around on the ground. That's yeah. Just... And and we hear Antonio, I'm almost positive now. Check me if I'm wrong. There are definitely a couple of swear words in Spanish sprinkled in there. But Antonio starts looking around for the cat and notices the door is open. La puerta está abierta. It's like... There's some good R twirling. Hey, thanks. <laughs> Rolling your R's. <laughs> I'm not making fun. I'm just practicing. Yeah, there you go. It's fun. Yeah, Antonio asks twice, who left the door open? Who left the door open? Kramer looks at George like smirking at him, but we all know it was Kramer that left the door open. Absolutely. Kramer doesn't close doors. We know this. And that's the reason that the apartment got robbed a couple episodes ago. Yeah, looking at Antonio's door, he he could use the clap code D29. Yeah, he has less locks than Jerry does in Jerry's apartment. Right. It's insane. Jerry has like three deadbolts. He has like one deadbolt. Out of control. Well, not to cast dispersions or anything, but maybe it's Antonio realizes there's not much in that place that's (laughs) worth stealing. I would just be fearful for my life. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Especially it's it's a one bedroom. You're sleeping right next to that door. Honestly, seriously, I blame Antonio for Paquita getting out. You know, yeah, if you have if you have a cat or any kind of animal and you're in that small of a space, you are watching the exits like a hawk, I would think. You're also not letting someone else come in without saying, look, I got a cat. Close the door. Yeah, right. Like, watch out. She could just squeeze past your feet. She is Paquita. (laughs) Yeah, very small. But I also like when they they, you know, need to go out and look for it that and George instantly go into the only noise I know to make for cats is the. (laughs) I don't think there's another. Is it? I don't know if that's one or not. I feel like that's maybe for rodents or something. (laughs) Cats are dogs are clapping or actually speaking. Well, while while Antonio is looking for Paquita, he's bent over and we notice that he's wearing British knights. Ooh, BKs. I think I had a pair of BKs when I was a kid. Well, we get another unseen character, Paquita. Yeah, I wish we would have seen Paquita. That costs extra money to hire animal wranglers and things like that. Yeah, you got to have a whole handler on on staff. Well, they didn't have to take care of him back then. They just grabbed him by the neck. They didn't like they, or there wasn't as many standards and practices, unfortunately. Sure, they could have grabbed Jim Fowler for a couple minutes. <laughs> yeah, Kramer practically raises kids. Exactly. Now, Paquita does escape, but Antonio is a guy with a cat. And he's yeah. definitely not effeminate. Yeah, you're totally, we're throwing the trope on its head. So the next scene finds us back some inordinate amount of time after the, the Paquita search proved fruitless. And they're all back at the the kitchen table. (laughs) 
<clears throat> you know, the cats, they run away all the time. You know, my aunt, she had a cat, ran away, showed up three years later. You never know. They got things in their brains where they can remember where they're from. Unless, of course, somebody else starts feeding her. See, that's what you got to worry about. Once again, Antonio, I, I, I can't even begin to say how deeply, deeply sorry I am about everything. The job, the, the, the cat, the lamp, wires sticking out. Here's my card. Uh, I'm in real estate, so if you're ever looking for something bigger, something nicer, maybe not right away. Anyway. <laughs> you gotta get that wire fixed. Ah, I got the door. Why is Kramer spinning that cup around like that? Yeah, he's making me nervous. That situation's already super tense. <laughs> yeah, and now, why are they in his apartment sitting down? Like, this, you have ruined this guy, and now you're just lingering. Kramer's like, yeah, my aunt had a cat that ran away, showed up three years later. Cat's got something in the brain, they know where they're from. Now, if someone feeds it. That's what you gotta worry about. <laughs> And we get another unseen character, Kramer's aunt with the cat. Yeah. George is severely apologizing for everything. The job, the cat, and Kramer knocks over the lamp. George is like, the lamp. Yeah, like, have we done enough to this guy? And now the sparse furniture that he already has, now he broke the lamp. And George isn't even looking in the direction of the lamp, but he knows. It was Kramer breaking the lamp. Yeah, you know, and then Kramer just trying to, to just set the, the giant chunk back into the lamp like it would hold. And he blames Antonio for the wire sticking out. Oh, there's a wire sticking out all over the place. Yeah, do you, do you think, I mean, this is the first time that he blames some wires, but obviously get the mom and pops store. He sees all the exposed wiring. Is this Kramer's thing? 40 years, ma. <laughs> George gives Antonio his card and says, maybe if you're looking for something bigger, something nicer. Like, what the hell? What? George? God, I'm just exasperated by this dude saying in this scene, like, all right, let's inventory it. He got the guy fired, essentially. Comes to the apartment unannounced. Loses the guy's cat. His lamp's broken. Now you're just going to kick him while he's down and say, hey, you know, if you're ever in the, the market for something bigger, nicer, here's my card. Like, basically, <laughs> if you ever want to get out of this hovel, shoot me a note. I mean, just no tact, no couth. Kramer's like, don't worry, I'll get the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks, a pant load. 
<laughs> and he closes it and the piece of the lamp falls off. Yeah. That's pretty good how they got it to fall off and then spin and hit the ground. That was a that was a good take. So the next scene is in Jerry's apartment. George, stop worrying about this guy. It wasn't your fault. Come on, he's not stalking you. <laughs> hey, hey. He doesn't even know where you live. Who told you to give him your business card? <laughs> That's Elaine. Kramer. George wants to know when you want to go look for the cat again. Oh, it's been a week. It's up to the cat now. <laughs> Kramer says it's up to the cat now. It'll be on your conscience. Oh, how do you figure? How do you figure? Because you're the one who left the door open. Why was I in charge of closing the door? Why was he in charge of closing the door? Because you came in after him. So? So? So the last person in should close the door. Let me talk to him. Talk, call him from your house. He's calling you now. Okay. Ed's downstairs. Can I have the car keys? No, hello? You got any aspirin? Hello. Now look it. You'll guarantee me this car is gonna get me to the airport tomorrow, no problem. Guarantee? Hey, it's a car. Because if there's even the slightest chance of any problem at all, I don't want to take it. Because if I don't get this guy on a plane to Seattle and out of my life, I'm going to kill him and anyone who tries to stop me. So did you have a nice week together? I heard a little ping in the car the last time. What was that ping? There's no ping. Why are you so wacky? Jerry, you cannot imagine how much I hate this guy. And he hasn't even done anything. It's the situation. He's a wonderful guy, but I hate his guts. So have you two been, uh... No! I told him I've been having my period the last five days. And I'm sleeping all squished over on the edge of my bed, but I've only got 14 hours to go, and nothing can go wrong now. I think I've taken care of everything. I've confirmed the plane reservation. I've checked the weather. What's your airport route? Mm, I got it all mapped out. I'm taking the tunnel. What about the Van Wick? I spoke to a cab driver for five bucks. He turned me on to the Rockaway Boulevard shortcut. Ooh. Now look at his plane leaves at 10.15. We're getting up at about eight. That gives us enough time, right? Are you still using that same old alarm clock? Oh, no, no. I bought a new one today. It's got everything. It's got everything. If you oversleep more than 10 minutes, a hand comes out and slaps you in the face. Kramer comes in wearing one of those bowling shirts again. Over the phone, George is asking when he wants to go look for the cat. And Kramer says, it's been a week. It's up to the cat now. So. Let's just unpack that a little bit. It has been a week. Can you imagine? Because I just keep picturing that Kramer and George have met up every day for a week on their cat exploration. Well, this would give them a little bit of bonding time, at least. Yeah, exactly. I just, hey, it's five o'clock. We're going to meet over at Antonio's place and search for Paquita again. <laughs> But as you see, towards the end of the episode, they are a little more chummy than, you know, like this right here is definitely a lot more chummy than they were about five, ten minutes ago. Yeah, absolutely. After a few back and forth, Jerry tells him, let's call him from his apartment. And as Kramer walks out, we can see into the bathroom where the bathtub should be is a little chest or a hamper, I think. Good where's eye. Jerry, where's Jerry taking his bath set? In the hallway, you can clearly see that the picture is someone leaning against the railing of a pier, like a black and white big picture on that hallway area. 
Yeah, I feel like they just rotated stock photos of like the Industrial Revolution or just Americana. Yeah. Look out there, it's Lady Liberty. Take a, <laughs> a gander off the pier. You know, it'd be a great deep cut if if they just snuck in a picture of a bunch of immigrants coming into Ellis Island and one was sitting on a pony. <laughs> Jerry is talking to George on a black cordless phone. In the last episode, he had a rotary phone. The very loud ringer. Hello? Hello? I used to love rotary phones, and I guarantee there are multiple generations younger than us that have probably never even seen a rotary phone or interacted with one. Yeah. I mean, technically I don't remember if it was a rotary phone or if it was a touch tone phone, but it was definitely one of those phones that you could pick up by the little handle on the back. Well, Elaine comes in explaining how much she hates Ed. Jerry asks if they've been intimate to which Elaine says, no, I told him I've been on my period. Yeah. Now I, Obviously, 1991, I got to think, there hasn't been too much talk about that kind of thing on network television, right? I could imagine not. Super progressive on their part. He's a wonderful guy, but I hate his guts. (laughs) She's explaining how she's going to get him to the airport, and if she doesn't get him there, she'll kill anybody who stands in her way. I got a bone to pick about... She says his flight's at 10.15. She's planning on waking up at 8. Again, I'm not from New York. I've never tried to get to the airport from New York. I got to think you got to give yourself more than two hours and 15 minutes. Well, Ed says later on that's 45 minutes to the airport. Well, Elaine takes an aspirin. She goes to leave, and then she closes the door and starts explaining to Jerry how much she hates Ed. And then she takes another aspirin. (laughs) She really hates it. Then she just leaves the medicine open on the cutting board and doesn't close it or put it away. I also like how, you know, she tells Jerry that she got a shortcut from a cabbie for an extra five bucks. A Rockaway Boulevard shortcut. (laughs) And then Jerry asks her if her alarm's okay. Yeah, that's a good continuity check. He asks, is that still that same alarm clock that she has? And she says, no, she bought a new one. Are we to believe that she actually got one? I don't know. I I mean, the next scene, we see a picture of the alarm clock. It doesn't look brand new. No, I, I assume that that's the same one that Jerry missed a flight to Cleveland because of. Flight to Cleveland? <laughs> and why the hell did Jerry let his hair go from this into that mullet? Yeah, this I feel like this was right in his his wheelhouse. This is where it needed to stay. And then it just kept getting poofier and more volume and the mullet kept getting longer. It should have just stayed right where it was. I looked at the cereal shelf and it has a few different boxes that weren't previously there. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to tell what they were, though. So that's a bust. Nice effort. Hey, I'm going to keep going for him. I know we get some name brands pretty soon that I'm more familiar with in Hyde Park cornflakes and Odie's. Yeah, wasn't Jerry drinking some sort of weird soda in this? Iris Cola. Yeah, I've never heard of Iris Cola. Have you? Yeah. No, I don't, I've never heard of Iris Cola. I can't. It was like Shasta. I'd heard of it, but I'd never seen it in the wild. And this one I've never even heard of. Yeah, same. So. I always have a weird fascination in like generic brand names of 
of like common things like Mountain Dew generic. I think at Walmart it's called like Moon Mist. Oh no, that's Fago. That's the Fago brand, Moon Mist. <laughs> but I think you're thinking of Mountain Lightning. Yeah, perhaps. But it's either like generic <laughs> soda names and generic cereal names always crack me up. What about yeah, their their brand of Dr. Pepper is Dr. Thunder. Yeah, exactly. Which is a way better name than Dr. Pepper. Absolutely. Isn't that the guy on that 70s show or whatever? I'm Jerry Thunder or something like that. Oh, what is his name when Hot Donna starts working as the intern? Yeah, yeah, it's Booger from Revenge of the Nerds, right? Yeah. He's like, you kids up for a little D&D later? (laughs) I'll let you be Mandar, the (laughs) half-elf. Perhaps another time. You almost went into rabbi mode. <laughs> Would you like to be Mandar, the half-elf? <laughs> I bet you roll a 30 for dexterity. <laughs> All right. We have the next stand-up scene, and it, it's a little out of place. It's Jerry talking about driving to the airport and how it makes him nervous. Flying doesn't make me nervous. Driving to the airport uh, can make you very nervous because... When you're flying, when you're getting on a plane, if you miss that plane, there's no alternative. On the ground, you have options. You have buses, you have taxis, you have trains. But when you're in the, taking a flight, if you miss it, that's it. No airline goes, well, you missed the flight. We do have a cannon leaving in about 10 minutes. <laughs> Would you be interested in that? It's not a direct cannon. You have to change cannons after you land. Sorry, where are you going, Chicago? <laughs> Oh, Dallas. Sorry, wait a second. <laughs> Dallas. That's about Dallas. Texas, anyway. You should hit Texas. Are you ready? <laughs> Make sure you get out of the net immediately because we shoot the luggage in right after you. Yeah, he's talking about flying doesn't make him nervous, but driving to the airport can make you nervous. I don't quite understand what makes you nervous about driving to the airport. I guess because you'll miss your flight? Yeah, is he talking about like the time crunch? That's the only thing that I can really think that he's talking about. Yeah, and and his next point is, you know, if something happens when you're on the road, there's other alternatives, buses, cabs, et cetera. But if if you miss your flight, there's no other alternative. And this is the only part that made me chuckle about this whole stand up is is him talking about, you know, the other alternative is getting shot out of a cannon. But it's not it's not that part that cracks me up. It's him acting like he's cranking the cannon to move it. I have like a, it always makes me giggle thinking about different weapons or machinery that you have to crank to turn, but him just acting like it, it it always gets me. Anytime he pantomimes something, like when he's riding the horse in the previous episode, the pony, like that kind of stuff really cracks me up. Yeah, definitely like the, got him get out of that net as soon as you land though, because we shoot the luggage in right after you. (laughs) Yeah, you going to Dallas? Yeah, this will hit Texas, I guess. Well, the next scene is in Elaine's bedroom. Get up! The alarm didn't go off! It's 9.15! You're gonna miss the plane! It's 9.15! 9.15? Yeah! 9.15! Yeah. Well, now remember, make it. I'll leave tomorrow. Tomorrow? Are you crazy? No! Now, now! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! You get dressed! You get dressed! Can I shower? Shower? You have your mind? Well, I gotta shower. I don't feel dirty all day. No, forget the shower. The shower's out. Just move it. Put your clothes on. Put your clothes on. Where are you going? I'm in the kitchen. Kitchen. Got a bag of cashews in there. Put your pants on. What's the big deal if we don't make it? Let's go tomorrow or the next day. Oh, you have your ticket. You have to go now. 
never make it. Don't say that. Well, it, it takes 45 minutes to get... It takes 45 minutes to get there. That'll only leave me five minutes to get to the plane. Shut up and pack! And then what if I don't make the plane? You'll have already left then. What do I do? You're talking too much. Where's my sweater? What? My brown sweater. What, what sweater? My brown sweater. But you didn't bring a brown sweater. I got a brown sweater. Here, here. you want a sweater? You want a brown sweater? You got a brown sweater. It's not mine. I can't take your sweater. It's brown! What are you doing? No, there's no time for folding. There's no time for folding. I think that's it. My shoes. You packed my shoes. Shoes? 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 Shoes were invented in the fourth century. is the first time we see Elaine's bedroom or Elaine's house for at all for that matter. Yeah, I think you're right. Now, would this be the same apartment that she lives in with Tina? It's got to be right because she didn't get a new apartment because everything fell through. Yeah, I would think that would make sense that it's the same place. But if you look at the inventory of this bedroom, she's got one of those old timey quilts on her bed. And underneath is one of those pink, almost fiberglass like blankets. It's like a electric blanket. You know, with a satin trim around it. Dude, those things are the worst. They not only were they just smothering, but they they just scratched your skin. Like there was nothing redeeming about those things. I remember my parents had one of those things and they must have had that thing the entire childhood. It was I remember the the pink satin stuff fraying at one point. I'm like, man, how long has this blanket been in the closet? Yeah, if that thing ever to catch fire from the electric blanket, it would just melt into a pile of goo. They be cocooned inside of it. <laughs> Keep with the dark theme of this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Now we're we're dying under a pink blanket. <laughs> I think it's the same pink color as the tablecloths in Isabella's. Quite possibly. I don't know though, because I'm colorblind. <laughs> That's true. I'll, I'll keep could, helping you out. I, I could tell that that blanket was pink, though. I'll tell you that much. That's for sure. Well, actually, it's more of a. I'm just kidding. She's sleeping on the absolute edge of her bed just to stay away from this guy. Yeah, she wasn't kidding. She is literally clinging on. But when you look at her face and she realizes what time it is and you see the old alarm clock that you were talking about, you can tell that she's way further over onto the bed. I guess Mm because she had to like spin around and look up and see what time it was, you know? Yep. But let's take a look at some of the stuff in her room here. You got a Buddy Holly poster. Some vintage signs. One of them is Sonny's Ice Cream Cones. You got Gold Dust. I think this is your personal favorite. Layer Bust Poultry Feed. Yeah, so... (laughs) Lay or Bust Poultry Feed. Does that mean, like, chickens are exploding if they don't lay those eggs? (laughs) Merle, what's going on? The chickens, they're not laying the eggs. They're just... They're exploding. Well, hen is going to blow up if you're not careful. I just picture a bunch of chickens just bakak, bakak, bakak. feathers going up in the air. Bak, 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 <laughs> <laughs> like we need killing... some of that new feed. <laughs> layer bust, layer bust. Well, there's also a poster for Dutch made cleanser, a weird doll and an old wicker pram, some skis. A vanity with a bunch of doilies. So many doilies. Do you think this is why she thought the bed and breakfast in Vermont was charming? We talked about all the doilies there, too. 
That's right. And I bet you she probably had them install separate hot water faucets in this place. <laughs> Tina's like, what did you do here, Elaine? Elaine? What are there two faucets for? You're going to get us kicked out. <laughs> well, there's a weird doll with doilies under that as well. A bunch of old looking books, a bohemian ginger ale sign and a cowboy shaped lamp next to a big wicker chair. There's also a Barbie doll standing up on her vanity. And more doilies. There's yeah, so, many, so doilies. many doilies. You think she got all these from Grandma Memma? That's the only stuff she got? Those doilies? Ooh, good call. Maybe she got most of this stuff from Grandma Memma. All the crap. Yeah, where do you <laughs> even... Where do you even... If I were to want a doily today, where would I go to get a doily? A retirement home. Yeah. And you say, could you make me a doily? Sure thing, honey. <laughs> yeah. How long does it take to churn out a doily? They probably have to pass it off to each other. It's getting to be that time, Gertrude. Ethel's good at edging. <laughs> Actually, that didn't sound right. You can cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I might leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> the physicality of Julia in this scene. Insanity. I think this is the most physical I've ever seen her in anything. It It's the absolute best. I mean, her in a just absolute drop-dead panic. And screaming at this guy who can we just can we take an aside here? What a schlub. This guy's voice just makes me want to smack him in the head. I can't stand. Oh, I got some cashers. I got some cashers in the kitchen. Yeah, like he shares in no panic that they overslept. If it was my flight, I would share in the panic, probably reserved to the fact that I'm not going to make it. But at least I'm freaking out a little bit. He doesn't care. He gets to spend another day with Elaine, even though she like maybe it's the seventh day or something like that. You know, he's like, all right, it's one more day. Yeah. I don't know Does she I don't think she's made it a point to him that she wants him to leave, though. He's just totally clueless. Yeah, he has no idea. And meanwhile, you know, her screaming at him that he doesn't need shoes, that people didn't even wear shoes until the fourth century. She's like helping him put his pants on. She's like lifting his legs up, putting him into the pants. And and then she does the best. I, I call it the like tippy toe dance of it's, just back and forth searching when when he's talking about his sweater. She looks like she's got a pee, that kind of dance. That's right. <laughs> she's so flustered though, it's hilarious. Just Great shut acting. up and pack. <laughs> oh, my, I need my brown sweater. It's brown. <laughs> I hate his voice so much, though. It's just like Phil Brun's voice in the first one. Our friends on the firm. <laughs> oh, God. I got a shower. I'll feel dirty all day. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this suitcase not packed already? Seems to oh. me if you're going to get somebody out of your house, you would have packed their suitcase. And she's just pulling random stuff out of her dresser. I think she pulls like lacy underwear out at one point. She's just yeah. grabbing a bunch of stuff and putting it in there. And says, it's packed. It's packed. Let's go. Yeah. If you wanted this guy out, you have that bag packed right next to the door, ready to go. Put as much stuff in there as you can hold and then put a bungee cord around it so it stays together. Absolutely. Okay. So the next scene... We're back at Jerry's apartment. 
anywhere in the city. Anywhere in the city, I'll tell you the best public toilet. Okay. 54th and 6th. Sperry Rand Building, 14th floor, Morgan Apparel. Mention my name, she'll give you the key. All right, 65th and 10th. <laughs> Are you kidding? Lincoln Center, Alice Tully Hall, the Met. Magnificent facilities. I never knew I could drive like that. I was going faster than I've ever gone before, and yet it all seemed to be happening in slow motion. I was seeing three and four moves ahead, weaving in and out of lanes like an Olympic skier on a gold medal run. I knew I was challenging the very laws of physics. At Queens Boulevard, I took the shoulder. At Jewel Avenue, I used the median. I had it. I was there. And then, I hit the Van Wick. They say no one's ever beaten the Van Wick. But gentlemen, I tell you this. I came as close as anyone ever has. And if it hadn't been for that five-car pile-up on Rockaway Boulevard, that numbskull would be on a plane for Seattle right now instead of looking for a parking space downstairs. Hey, the bus boy's coming. The bus boy's coming. The bus boy's coming? You don't mean here. Yeah, I just buzzed him in. He's on his way up. He's coming up? Yeah, I'll check you out later. Where are you what? going? I'm the one he wants. He's coming to settle the score. No, you three all know each other. There's no point in me getting involved at this stage. No, he's not going to do anything. I guarantee it. Get out with it. Let him kill me. I... Right. Antonio. Antonio, in here. Hey, Antonio, how's it going? Three nights ago, a gas main beneath the restaurant exploded. Killing five people in my section, including the busboy who replaced me. <laughs> if I'm not fired that night because of you and your thoughtless, stupid, and sensitive remarks, <laughs> it would have been me. You saved my life! <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Yeah? It's Eddie. He's coming up. And, and the very same night of the accident, while looking for Paquita, I find a job in a restaurant where they pay me almost twice what I was making before. And when I returned to the apartment, Paquita, perhaps frightened from the explosion, had miraculously returned. Well, now I must go. For today, I am I'm starting my new and wonderful job, and I am I'm very late. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Hey, watch where you're going. You almost knocked my head off. Why don't you watch where you're going, okay? Because you bumped into me. Who do you think you're talking to, pal? Hey! Get your hands off me! You go to hell! Me, I can't talk around! Vete tu, vete tu! Porque te bato! No me toque! No me toque!
I love this conversation between George and Jerry talking about where you can find the best toilet in a certain area. And fast forward, this goes perfectly with the Seinfeld reunion arc on Curb, where we find out that George made a ton of money creating an app called the iToilet that allows users to find the best facilities in a given area. Sperry ran building, 14th floor, Morgan Apparel. Mention my name, she'll give you the key. <laughs> the fact that he knows every single place, and I, I just picture this poor secretary going, oh my God, it's this short, bald guy again, trying to use our toilets. I wonder how many people he sent up there, like randomly. <laughs> just like... Hi, George. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you ever like go up there and like, this is really weird. I, I You don't know me, but this this guy named George told me that your bathrooms are pretty nice. Could you give me the key, perhaps? I'm going to blow this thing out. <laughs> Got to flush like a jet engine. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> uh, George laying on the couch, tossing that little foam basketball up in the air. Yeah, it looks like one like one of the original Nerf balls. Yeah, it was the one I think that was sitting on Jerry's desk next to that zip code directory. Yeah, I think you're right. Elaine comes in, but the buzzer didn't go off. She comes right in looking like that girl from the ring. She does look like the girl from the ring. And the shot that they zoom in on her is kind of spooky in a way, too. Yeah, I like that that camera work. You know, we've talked about their use of multiple cameras usually and, and rarely... Is it just one shot? But this one shot using the zoom is so effective. Yeah, I think it's some Tom Sharonis work there because it's a lot different when Andy Ackerman takes over. But I, I really dig some of the stuff that Tom Sharonis did. And the, the, the monologue is amazing from her. Yeah, we don't get too many monologues, like true monologues in Seinfeld. And this one is just phenomenal. How she keeps her eyes open like that the entire time. Yeah, it's almost like they keep getting wider. The only part I don't understand, and this is me not being a true New Yorker, is, you know, when when Jerry asked her about the airport route, she says that she's not going to do the Van Wick like Jerry asks, and he's gonna she's going to do the Rockaway Boulevard shortcut. But then she, in the monologue, she talks about no one's ever beaten the Van Wick. So I thought she was going to bypass the Van Wick completely, but then she talks about the five-car pileup on Rockaway Boulevard that completely ruined her her trip. So I, I'm a little confused of how that all went out went down. Yeah, because Jerry matter, says, though. yeah, but Jerry says, yeah, what about the Van Wick? It's just not going to take the Van Wick. Right. So. I don't know. Maybe somebody needs to let us know airport routes. Her jacket's pretty cool, though. I really like that. Just a aside. <laughs> yeah, it's like a nice, like, Sherpa parka. Yeah, I really like the, the lining. It's really cool. It's got a cool design on it. Yeah. It's like early Patagonia. I have no idea what that is, but I'll agree with you. <laughs> I also like that she called Ed a numbskull. Yeah. <laughs> it's classic. You don't hear that very often anymore. No, like there's some really good terms. Like one of my favorites is sick nut. I love that. I call anybody a sick nut that I can. Look at yeah, that sick nut over there. You're doing great work with that. <laughs> you got to get it into the lexicon, you know. 
Also, why is Ed driving Jerry's car? It's a good question. This is random dude spending the week with Elaine. Now, now he's driving your car. She was just so defeated from everything. But I'd be mad if she came up to my apartment and this random dude who she doesn't even like is driving my car. <laughs> I I completely agree. And did you notice she's barefoot? This this is a whole new level of weird because she's conceivably been in the car and she just walked through the street, sidewalk, et cetera, through the building, all barefoot. <laughs> yeah, I, I would literally have to burn the soles off my feet. This is the best part. Kramer busts in and said, the bus boy's coming. Yeah, and if you look at the hallway, you can see that light from the mini blinds again coming through at the end of the hallway. That thing's that- going to keep confusing us. But Antonio comes in the door, and he's looking for George, and he sees him. He's, hey, Antonio, how's it going? He backs him up against the sink. And you see that shirt that he's wearing? Yeah, the shirt's pretty cool. It's like a fist with lightning bolts. Yeah, I, I looked it up. I reverse Google image searched it. It says it's the Strike Fighter Squadron 213, and it was featured in Top Gun, actually. It's pretty cool. And- same Same logo? Yeah, the same exact logo, and it's on the side of some of the F-14s in the opening of the thing with the Iceman and Slider and all the cool. gooses or whatever the people's names are. I'm not a big Top Gun person, but you know, it was happened to be in that movie. It's pretty cool. Interesting. And Antonio explains to George that he saved his life, but his ass is walking towards him. It's hard not to notice something. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up because... I was debating on whether to let it slide. Antonio's jeans are so tight that literally leaves nothing to the imagination. We'll just leave it at that, but you could see for yourself if you want. <laughs> totally up to you. No, no aspersions cast. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, hey. <laughs> I snuck a peek. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, I snuck a peek, but... <laughs> But this is great because Antonio's, you know, talking about that he, that he found a new job. It it pays twice as much. Yeah. And what happened? The gas man exploded and killed a busboy and five other people. That's more yeah. people that we uh, haven't seen yet. <laughs> They're dead now. And how did no one hear about this explosion? Yeah, like we were just at Isabella's. Did you hear that they blew up? Yeah. Hey, guys, remember that new trendy restaurant? Yeah, it blew up. But they rebuild it later, so we'll be able to go back there. Right. <laughs> so do you think the mob guy blew it up for the insurance money? Absolutely. When when people just can't pay anymore, you light a match. Walk away from the building. <laughs> Slow yeah. motion, it blows up. Exactly. But then Antonio starts saying, oh, well, I have to get to my new job because I'm very late. It's such like a an aside line that kills me. It's my it might be my favorite quote in this whole episode. But I am very late. It's like, you like just Antonio, got this new job. man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Help yourself out, brother. <laughs> new job, more pay. And Paquita came back. But I'm gonna stop by these seemingly strangers' apartment, let them know that I have a new job, but I'm very late. And how did he even know where to go? I mean, like, Kramer must have been in touch with him. Kramer and Antonio were probably best buds by this point. Kramer was like, hey, if you're ever down on your luck, I can help you break into apartment 5C. 
guy's got my vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Anyway, Antonio leaves the apartment. Why don't you watch where you're going? You just knocked my head off. Why don't you look out where you're going? You bumped into me. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, this skirmish that happens out in the hallway, I picture one of those, like, cartoon fights with the cloud of dust and the fists and the legs all coming it? out of the, the cloud. See a baseball bat swinging around and coming down like a star and like Jupiter and all. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, none of them go out to break it up. Maybe Kramer does there at the end. But I also kind of like to think of Kramer bypassing the fight completely and just going into his apartment and closing the door behind him. Yeah, I didn't see anything. <laughs> yeah. But as we're falling down the stairs, you hear that that word. Cabron. <laughs> now, that's the word you don't want to say to anyone. Yeah, you I was definitely want to avoid that. And they're falling down the stairs and they're yelling and cursing at each other. And there's no way that would be able to happen. You know, like there's no way you're like, hey, buddy, get off of me as you're falling <laughs> yeah. down the stairs. Someone I feel like help. Ed has turned into like a 1920s mobster like me. <laughs> hey, snakes. <laughs> I didn't do it, Johnny. I swear. <laughs> they're in monks again. Go get another job. He's a bus boy. Won't be for a while. At least not till after the cast comes off. Does that fall down the stairs? That's what did it. That's not how it happened. It's when he fell on him with his knee. Oh, that was awful. Poor Antonio. Oh, thanks. So, much longer? Till when? Till he goes back to Seattle or till he can feed himself? <laughs> I guess it's not important. Take care of yourselves. I should probably get going, too. If I don't feed Paquita by seven, she goes all over everything. Mm. <laughs> Take it easy. Yeah. How you doing? And Elaine is saying, poor Antonio, that knee landed right on him. Yet Ned can't even feed himself. She really hates this guy. Let us point out that this is the first instance where one of Elaine's suitors needs assistance in eating. Yeah, I, I know there's at least two. You know? <laughs> that might be only two, but let's just point it out. Oh, we got Zach. <laughs> Use your bucket. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that needs some assistance. You're not feeding him, are you? <laughs> you got your Yankee beans. Yeah. <laughs> Yankee bean. <laughs> it's a real bitch to get here. <laughs> <laughs> I got a transfer to the double R. I've noticed that the fries come in baskets in this episode. Yeah, that's weird. Do we ever see monks serve their food in baskets again? I think the only other one I see is when Frank and Estelle come. It's like a basket of bread or whatever. Yeah, and you notice Jerry's drinking a strawberry milkshake, too? That's kind of weird. No, because I'm colorblind. I just thought it was a regular <laughs> milkshake. <laughs> no. <laughs> and George gets up and he says, I got to get out of here, too. If I don't feed Bakita by 7 o'clock, she goes all over the place. We have Elaine's first instance of taking care of a boyfriend and helping feed him. Here's the first instance we hear about George taking care of a cat. Let's hopefully it doesn't end up like the girl. Yeah. Corbin Bernson's going to have to figure out this case, too. 
And Paquito's not an old cat. <laughs> I told him, Antonio, you show me proof that I didn't feed Paquita. <laughs> you know, what's up with the busboy putting the bus tub right on the table while Jerry's still eating? Just because Elaine and George got up doesn't mean it's an open season to come clean the table. Yeah, and don't put that tub on the table. And Jerry's like, how you doing? And he's got food like all over his face. And he's about to crack up. I think I would too, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, hey, we've had a real run with a busboy this week. All right, so now we have the final stand-up bit. First of all, I can't believe that people actually do fight. People have fist fights in life. I, I, I can't really believe that we have boxing either. It's a really kind of an amazing thing. To me, the problem with boxing is you have two guys having a fight that have no prior argument. <laughs> Why don't they have the boxers come into the ring in little cars, drive around a little bit, have a little accident, they get out, then you see my signal, look at that fender, then you'd see a real fight. Jerry does make a, a good point of, you know, you got to have something that that causes you to get in a fight. So he suggests the boxers getting into two little cars and driving around the ring for a little while until they get in an accident. And then they get in a fight. That's pretty funny. No, it's definitely funny. I still think it's kind of, kind of weird that you'd want to get in a fight, just getting in a car accident. But I mean, insurance should be covering that kind of thing, but no, seriously, like something like, Hey, you messed up my lawn or something. Like that. You dented my ride. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the four volt? Did your favor. <laughs> Yeah, but no, I, I, definitely a funny visual, though, you know, of, of that whole situation. Like, I, I like how he paints a picture. Yeah, that that, you know? that is the best. That without, you know, picturing, I, I just pictured two little, like, clown cars almost driving around a tiny little ring. <laughs> <laughs> well, buddy, you know, we've been covering this show for a few episodes now, and I don't think we've ever discussed whether we actually thought the entire episode was good or not at the end. Maybe yeah, we should start doing that. <laughs> You're probably right. We probably should give some sort of an opinion. And we discuss everything else, but we never really talk about what we thought. So what did you think of this one? I like this one. I know a lot of people like rag on this episode, not being not necessarily bad, but not one of their favorites. And, you know, it's it's definitely not in, you know, my top 10 or anything like that, but it's a pretty solid episode. Yeah, I mean, the more I watched it over the time of just researching it, I definitely moved it up a little bit. It's still one of those ones that's a little bit cringy and hard to watch, but at the same time, it's grown on me after do, doing this research. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of great points. You know, Elaine's monologue's good or phenomenal, actually. And then, you know, I like Antonio the more I watch it. And just all the little things that we kind of picked out that made us chuckle, like it does make it a pretty endearing episode. And honestly, we didn't cover every little thing we probably could have either. Like we probably won't cover in most of these, like all the really great parts. That's why I put a, all the clips in because people deserve to hear the things that we're talking about. And some of this stuff is just out of control and you can't, you, no matter how many impressions I'll do, you're not going to get the gist of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, man, I always enjoy our talks. It's such a great time. I, I look forward every week to it. Same here, buddy. Well, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And here's to feeling good all the time. Ruining Seinfeld is not endorsed by Castle Rock Entertainment, Sony Pictures, or NBC. It is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. 
All names, music, logos, and pretty much everything else belong to the aforementioned companies. If you think you can help us ruin Seinfeld, call us at 5 Seinfeld 6. Be sure to give us the episode title and a brief description. Follow us on social media at Ruining Seinfeld. And if you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your platform of choice. Or not. The ball is in your court. Thanks for listening. Double goodbye. Pure Guano.